thankful for the way these stories hold on to the lifetime we won't get back. I know these rivers carry. Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and uh, today we are joined by Jordan Chapman, who is the executive director. Yeah, right? that's a fancy way of saying it, director. It, it, yeah. Just director. <laughs> yep. I'm so used to it. Almost every other organization I've had on the podcast, uh, they're usually executive directors. So I just... I guess I'm just used to that title, but either way, I'll take it. <laughs> whether you're executive director or director uh, from the uh, Kankakee County Humane Foundation, before, like when when you first messaged me on the uh, Kankakee Podcast Facebook page, I think it was, mm-hmm. I, 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 I've, I've obviously seen your name around, and then I realized I was like, wait a minute, Jordan and I have met, yeah, and um, so you used to come to uh, the radio station to record mm-hmm. like a. It was like a monthly pet of the month. Yep. Pet of the month. Yep. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was like, oh gosh, I feel stupid now. Like, <laughs> you know, because I thought I was like, I don't know. Like, I was like, I don't think I've met her before, but we yeah, have my met, Facebook so. name throws people off too. Yeah, so it doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that's okay. You know, I sure. mean, the people that need to know who you mm-hmm. are know. Yeah. Who you are, and yep. it's good to keep people on. Like you kept me on my toes, so that, you know, <laughs> good. that's that's good to do as well. But. Um, it's so great to have you here. Thanks for reaching out. Um, I think, you know, the, the Kankakee County Humane Foundation, how long has the foundation been around in Kankakee? It's been... 1963 we were established. Yeah, so. long and then it, time. There was a couple of different names that, and then two organizations had merged at one point several years ago. Um, and then now we are KCHF. Okay. Still, I guess. Awesome. So yeah. what, are you born and raised in Kankakee County? Where, where um, does your story begin? Yeah, I was born in Joliet. Um, okay. I grew up in Wilmington and then kind of, and then we moved to St. Anne, my mother and I did, uh, when I was starting second grade. So St. Anne from second grade up through high school. And then I left and lived in the St. Louis area for college and then moved back. My sisters are significantly younger than me. Um, they're 11 and 16 years younger than me. Oh, wow. So as okay. soon as I got the chance to move back, I was, you know, I wanted, I missed four years of stuff. So I wanted mm. to come back and I've been back since. So. And you're what, in your 20s or 30s? 30 now. Yep. Yeah. I was yep. going to say, I was like, that is a Still, big, yeah. wow, that is a big gap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man. <laughs> so they're, they're a lot younger than me. So um, I wanted to be back and, you know, they're in sports and doing all the stuff. And like Grace is in college playing softball now. And Ella just started at Mac and she's playing soccer and, so I just missed a lot of things. Um, so when I moved back, I think it's been five or six years now that I've been back. Okay. Um, maybe even more than that. Gosh, I don't know. And you've been at the Humane Foundation uh, since? 
about yeah, the time almost. you moved back, right? Because yeah. when you used to come to the station, that's been what three years ago. Yeah, I started four as years ago. The director in 2016 or 17. I oh, okay. should I should know that, but um, <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah, about four. Or, that's yeah, four I started as a kennel ago. assistant, and then. Um, okay. I was out, I coached softball at St. Ian for a little bit. And so we did volunteer hours as a team there. And then um, I started, I was like, kind of made a joke like, hey, if you ever need help, you know, and they were like, oh, sure. And so I started working as a part-time kennel assistant just as something extra to do. Um, and then I had left for a little bit, started working at Camelot um, as a teacher's aide in one of the classrooms there. And then I noticed that the foundation was hiring. And so I'd reached out to Kathy Fegan, which is one of our board members. And I said, hey, you know, let's, you know, I'd like to chat about some things about when, when I'd left. Um, and so I'd come back, worked part-time again, just kind of was helping through some stuff. There was no director at the time outside of, you know, Kathy and a couple other people doing all of the things. And so then um, I applied formally and was interviewed and then here I am. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So where did you, what did you go to school for in St. Or where did <laughs> yeah. you go to school? Uh, Blackburn Louis? College in Carlinville. So still in Illinois, um, yeah. but then I had moved closer to the St. Louis side. I did an inter internship with the St. Louis Cardinals. I was studying physical education and then switched to sports management. Um, so I worked for the Cardinals for an, a semester and then. That's so cool. Um, what did yeah. you do for the Cardinals? I worked for their Hall of Fame Museum. Okay. So it was it was super nerdy and I was into it. Um, <laughs> hey, but that's cool. I had no, I kind of just threw the application and it was like, you know what, whatever. And then they actually called me and it was like bare minimum, like just scrolling randomly. And so I had an interview and I wore, you know, I was dressed up, wore, you know, whatever, a button up and khakis and went in and they're like, you know, you're really just kind of calm and everybody's always like super like, oh my gosh, you know, here I am. And I kind of unbuttoned the top three of my shirt and I blew, I had my Cubs blue t-shirt on underneath it. They said, you did not. And I said, I am a diehard Cubs fan. And so then um, two weeks later on my birthday, they called and offered it to me. And so they, they thought it was the funniest thing, but yeah, I couldn't do it. Like I had to wear red, a red polo one time for opening day because we had to carry we didn't have to it was actually the coolest thing ever i shouldn't say it that way um we carried the world series trophies out during the opening ceremony and i had to wear a red polo like i was a cardinals fan and i wore the same blue t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> just to you know wait, yeah it, i, I it, can't. it's it's good to know that you know you're a cubs fan and yeah. for the people that may have seen you wear red it's like don't yeah. worry blue was touching my skin yeah i remember texting my mom <laughs> at my lunch break before we started the opening ceremony stuff and I'd walked to a Panera Bread um, like a block away from the stadium and there were so many people. And I texted my mom as I was walking. I said, Mom, I am drowning <laughs> because there's so many people in red. And my her brother, my uncle, is a diehard Cardinals fan, like has been his entire life. And he thought it was the funniest thing in the entire world. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not even telling him. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny, though, when you. Yeah. That, yeah. But and they still like gave you the job. Oh, and yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. That's also yeah. what's hilarious. They I didn't. Because yeah. you would imagine like, you know, showing off your blue at a job mm -hmm. interview, your Cubs yeah. blue. They're like, what the hell is yeah. up with this? I wasn't lying. You know, like. <laughs> They had to know what they were getting into. So, um, and I had no idea about anything that was like that I would be doing. I had no background in museum or preservation or artifact catalog, like in anything. Um, and they, I mean, I learned a lot. It was really, really cool. So now Ballpark Village that has since been put up, it was a, the groundbreaking is when I was there. So I got to go to that. Um, and now the Hall of Fame Museum that exists, I was a big part in helping kind of catalog. Like there's baseball cards that you can flip through like on an iPad. I'm yeah. like, I cataloged every single one of those baseball cards. Oh, wow. Cards. That, that's, yeah. 
that's some hard work. Yeah, More, it was neat. It's 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 harder than people realize. I know my uh, my oldest brother <laughs> Josh um, has done a lot of cataloging for different mm-hmm. um, uh, libraries and such, and yeah. there's a lot of work. Yeah, that goes. learning the numbers and all that. Like, thankfully, they had a system for it, so I could just plug in whatever it was, and it would create a number. But um, before they had that, my um, advisor, I guess, is who she was. Her name is Paula, and then I had another one, Amy. And they were super big museum nerds. And I say that very lovingly. Um, but they were, I mean, it was incredible, the stuff they could just rattle off. Also, diehard Cardinal fans. So going to games with them <laughs> was <like> interesting. <laughs> everyone else should have been there instead, yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> instead of you. Yeah. But, but it was, it was, I like the respect for the museum side of things is so different because it's not like even when I go to a museum now, like you can look and you'll see the numbers written in like and they're handwritten on everything. And I'm like, I know why they do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is nerdy, but I like it. So yeah. it's cool. What I'm trying to remember, was it when we were kids, was it McGuire that was a, on the Cardinals? Yes. It was a big yes. hitter, right? Yep. Yeah. What was, was his first name? Mark. Mark McGuire. Yep. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah. Mark McGuire favorite. and Sammy Sosa. Yes. Those run. were those yep. were the ones I remember uh, as a kid arguing with people like mm-hmm. who was the better hitter. Yeah. And they were back and forth for like, a couple seasons, I think, on who was taking the lead in home runs. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's why I remember it so well because mm-hmm. that was something the public like really, or at least yeah. in the Midwest, obviously, like yep. they fixated on. Oh, I'm sure had, everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> who yeah. had more home runs yep. at that time. And I remember the, the Cubs were doing pretty well around that time, weren't they? Or they, yeah, didn't I mean, they get close? For the Cubs. <laughs> they, but there was a couple times they got close to the World Series with uh, when Sammy Sosa was on the team, right? Oh, that or, I don't uh, know. Oh, okay. I could be making that up. Yeah. I, I don't know my baseball. Like, I'm, I, I yeah. like, sure, like, I'll watch a baseball game if I'm there, but, I, like, I'm not, like, a diehard Yeah, I don't follow fan. it. Like, I or when I was younger, I didn't follow that closely. Like, now mm-hmm. I'm like, I know we're not going to win this year. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it might be another 100 yeah. years. I, I live to see it, so, yeah. I mean, I'll call it, call it a win. <laughs> I, I wasn't, like I just said, I'm not a big baseball fan. I don't have a team, but. I even watched that yeah. that last World Series yeah. game in 2016. I think everybody did. <laughs> Everyone like my, and and my my girlfriend and I at the time she was the same way, not a big baseball person, but we're both like, "Hey, let's watch the game." <laughs> and we're both looking at each other like, "Did we just say that?" Yeah. What's what's yeah. wrong with the that? history of it? I guess you just can't miss because when we're when we're 80, people, when we still haven't won again, mm-hmm. we'll get to say, well, we lived to see it. So. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get to, you know, the the Kankakee County Humane Foundation. Um, what's the, the, the history of it? I mean, I know it started, like you said, in 1963 mm-hmm. is what you said. And and what was the overall goal and, and, and purpose at that time? I'm sure it's changed drastically since then. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we're bigger now. Um, I, the, the mission statement has changed a little bit now. Um, we've simplified, so to speak. So now, um, we're a community focused organization helping animals in need since 1963. So, um, it kind of, there it is. It says exactly what we do. Um, we try to do community outreach, help with whatever possible, of course, adoption, cats, dogs, um, and a few animals in between. We've had some birds, ferrets, guinea pigs, 
Um, so you do take we've other yeah on animals. occasion yeah we have two bunnies right now um, we've taken two birds which I'm deathly afraid of birds so they have to why why afraid I of just don't birds? trust a bird I don't know because they're like gonna peck you or <sighs> they or... fly they're I just well I don't that's know. yeah you just but don't... you can't put a bird on a leash and tell them what to do <laughs> <laughs> even then it yeah. doesn't work yeah so I'm, I'm and a little hesitant clip, on the don't birds. don't they clip Certain birds' wings, they so do. they can't yeah. fly, or all of them. I think or... domestic birds. They get. I don't know a ton about birds. I right because yeah. it's mainly dogs and cats. Yeah, that... we f- we found um, a bird lady that is one of um, our staff members, Kara. Um, she, it's one of her family friends, and she's adopted two birds from us. Um, and I think we've had two, so she has both of them. Um, but That's she knows funny. a ton about them. She, she said they like sit on her head and they'll take popcorn from her. And I mean, she just hangs out with her birds. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, every, everyone has their own yeah, favorite yeah, animal, right? Yeah. I mean, if it was legal, I would have a penguin. Yeah, that's know. fair. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I draw the line at birds and snakes. Those are the two that. <laughs> I mean, a penguin is a yeah. bird, but it's not like a bird that can fly. Yeah, I could but, do a penguin or a flamingo, but. I don't know. I often think of Mr. Popper's penguins, how he like <laughs> turned his house into like a freezer mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I would love to do that with my basement sure, and just yeah. have yeah. penguins just hanging out, <laughs> you know, watching TV down here. Yeah. Um, but with with birds, I oh, what kind of birds were they? Oh, I have not a you clue. I just knew one of them. The family dynamic, had, or they had gone, they were vacationing a lot or traveling, um, and the bird started pulling all of its feathers out. And so just because of the change and it was stressed. So it has since all grown back. Um, and then the other bird was actually my aunt's, and she had unexpectedly passed away last year. And so um, it was technically her son's bird. And he was like, hey, I can't have the bird. He lives in Texas currently. Um, and my family had said, you know, what can we do? And I said, I have a bird lady. <laughs> and so I had Kara text her friend. Um, her name's Corinne. And so she took in our bird. Okay. So, yeah. I'm sorry for it's your like loss. 26 years old. Like they live forever. That's old. Yeah. I mean, they live for like ever. So I never would, in. I never yeah. would have thought that. I <laughs> yeah. never would have thought a, a bird lived to be in their 20s. I think they live till like they're 30. It's okay. some kind of, it was like a green, a green bird with yellow cheeks. I don't, I don't know anything about birds. Okay. I should, I should have researched, but I just, <laughs> well, I was given all the things to feed it and take care of him. So. Right. I mean, um, it makes sense because once again, like it's, it's dogs and cats yeah. and probably yeah. more cats than anything. Right. Is that still the case? A lot of cats and a lot of dogs all the time. Um, we get calls for cats more often than dogs because there's so many and there's so many stray cats that people are like, oh, this cat wandered up. Um, like Kankakee has a ton of stray cats, so we get a lot of them. So uh, how does the the process work for you get a phone call and you say, someone says, hey, I found yeah. a dog or I, I have a dog that I can't take care of anymore or their owner passed away. Yeah. How does that? <clears throat> so um, depending on space, of course, like, you know, we don't, we don't put like 10 dogs in one kennel, obviously, you know, like we have a bonded pair right now, so they're together, but otherwise everybody gets their own space. Um, so if and when we have space, which we usually end up making space, <laughs> um, we uh, will take the dog in. We ask kind of the basic questions like, you know, is it up to date on vaccines? Is it spay or neutered? Which that stuff isn't a huge issue, but we just want to know ahead of time um, what kind of dog it is, if it's friendly with cats, kids, people in general. Um, and then as long as we feel that, you know, we can appropriately care for the dog and meet that dog's or cat's needs, um, we'll take it in. They'll sign a relinquishment form, which transfers ownership of the 
previous owner to us. That way we can do any medical care, you know, that it becomes legally our pet to then adopt out, provide medical care for, you know, place in a home, that kind of thing. So and and then the the, the big question is always, how do you uh, pay for all of this? Where yeah. does the money? Because you're yeah. because if I'm giving you an animal, mm-hmm. I'm not paying you. Nope. <laughs> No, we don't have a relinquishment fee. Um, we've talked about it before, um, but overall, we feel that it would kind of deter people from bringing their pets in, which we don't want to do because, you know, we see a ton that are on Facebook and I'll message people like, hey, I'm the director of the Humane Foundation. This is not the greatest place. You know, we'd be happy to help you, that kind of thing. I have I do that quite often just because Facebook is is great for marketing on my end, but not when you don't really know people like you don't have the way to vet them and check into them and stuff like that um and people don't always think that like they think everybody has a good intention which isn't always the case unfortunately um so donations are how we pay for everything mm-hmm. quite literally everything mm-hmm. so you are a, a non-profit yes organization start to finish oh yeah so so, so then fundraisers <clears throat> yeah. come into play or just donations in general yep um, all around the year. And and what are some of those events? That... Um, our biggest fundraiser is Paws and Purrs, which is a live and silent auction. So you're essentially you would buy your ticket um, that would give you dinner that's catered at our event. And then um, the silent auction is basically set up with all kinds of stuff. And then it kind of closes in chunks. Um, and then the live auction, we have kind of the bigger and better, you know, good stuff, so to speak. Um, and that gets done by somebody who will go in just auction style and people bid. And then the highest bidder wins that. I mean, it goes from I think the last one we did because of COVID, we've not been able to do it the past two years, which is hurt because the last one we did, we raised $80,000 roughly. Um, I think a little bit over that. So that hurt because we've not been able to do it for two years in a row now. Um, and our operating budget is not small. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little over 300000 a year to keep everything going, appropriate vet care, supplies, um, you know, that staffing, all of that. Um, So we've had to get a little creative. We've done some online fundraisers. Um, I'll post like Facebook fundraisers for like medical cases and stuff, which has been helpful because the more people, like the more I put out there of what we're doing and kind of the graphic images that people, you know, need to see what we're doing and kind of what we're handling. Um, it, It helps people get engaged, I think, and see where their money's going. Like if I you know, we had a kitten a couple of weeks ago that had an eye that was like completely almost out of her eye socket and we had to have it removed the day we got her because of how big it was. Um, and I posted all the pictures because, you know, people should see kind of where their money goes. And it was it was <laughs> it was gross looking. Did it get in a fight or was it just not taken <sighs> care of? It, I, it was abused? an outside cat. Um, oh. Somebody had been taking had been feeding some feral cats and the mom and dad um had their three kittens and they were coming up. And so the woman had got the three kittens. We've since taken all of the family in. We spay and neutered the mom and dad and they recovered for a couple of days at the shelter and just went back yesterday to the woman that was taking care of them. And so they're going to, you know, release them back outside, but can they, they have a big house and it's heated and stuff that they can go into. Um, and then the kittens we have in a foster home right now, trying to get them a little bit more social. So, but we think that something either scratched her eye or got in there and it just didn't, it wasn't able to get it out or it got infected. And it, I mean, it was just big. It was gross. Yeah. There's a good chance it got in a fight with another cat. Yeah. It could have got scratched. I mean, it, it, there's a million different things, but even a little tiny, like, you know, piece of dirt could get in there and get, you know, inflamed and irritated. And then there it is. So. Yeah. My, our, our, my parents' cat or our family cat, 
he is an indoor outdoor cat mm-hmm. and i can't tell you how many times he's been taken to the vet for yeah. some wound mm-hmm. from another animal yep. probably a cat you know other cats yeah. in the the neighborhood and and it, even just a simple uh scratch yeah it gets infected and then he starts uh uh you know losing hair there mm-hmm. or or whatever yeah. So you got to take them in. Now, do you have a, a, is there a vet on staff or do you partner with some of the area uh, veterinarian hospitals to get care? How does that work? Um, so we don't have a vet on staff. Um, we do some things in the shelter and by we, my, me and my staff, like we can do basic like wound care. We can give vaccines, dewormer basic antibiotics, you know, stuff like that. That's kind of under the direction of a vet. Like if I say, hey, like if a kitten comes in with an upper respiratory infection, I can start them on on an antibiotic. Like that's not, you know, unheard of or anything. But um, like rabies vaccines have to be given by a doctor and any other like real care is always done by a real licensed vet. Um, And we're partnered with several. So we use South Creek Animal Hospital in Mantino, Kankakee Animal Hospital, VCA, uh, Four Paws Pet Clinic just opened up a couple, well, like a month ago now over um, kind of by Brickstone on Elmar Parkway. Oh, um, I didn't know that was over there. Yeah, they just opened up. Dr. Fedro opened up, I think, about a month ago. Okay. Um, Lowell Animal Hospital in Indiana, we use them quite a bit, um, kind of anywhere that can get us in because usually when we need to get in, it's it's scheduled for spay and neuter, but sometimes the emergencies were like, well, Ooh. like the cat so, yeah. with the eye. I mean, that was an emergency. Yeah, I ended up having an appointment at Four Paws already, so I just showed up with another cat. <laughs> Say, hey, I got something for you. Yeah, ya. I just come in with a big grin and I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> um, and they were really great about it. Dr. Fedro did surgery that day, took it out, um, and then she went to, a, Blue is the kitten's name, she went to a foster home the next morning, so, or next afternoon, but um, we use a lot of vets. And then we have an emergency vet that we use. We have a couple that we've used, um, Crossroads Animal Hospital over in Crown Point, Indiana. Um, they're a 24-hour facility. So anything like overnight or hospitalization, um, they're one of the ones that we use as well for anything like that. I always wondered where some of those 24-hour places were. Yeah. There's one in Orland. It's premier. It's just, it, they're very expensive, um, which rightfully so, but Crossroads was kind of a hidden gem that we found. And so we like going to them. So... What's the average cost on on someone that just donates uh, a dog to you? What what are the costs involved to getting <sighs> if that, they yeah if they've had nothing done around? yeah um if if it's like a one year old dog that has never been to the vet and done nothing we need to do a distemper vaccine which is about fifteen dollars and they get two of those if they're an adult dog if it's a puppy they get four um <clears throat> so fifteen for that a bordetella which is for kennel cough is fifteen rabies is fifteen. Uh, heartworm test is 15. If they're heartworm positive, that's like four to 500 to treat, um, which we do. Um, heartworm prevention, flea and tick, deworming, that's another probably 30 to 40. Spay and neuter, um, depending how big the dog is, from 70-ish to 100-ish. Microchip is another 10. I'm trying to think what else I'm forgetting. If they have an infection of some sort, if they need a skin scrape, if they need extra antibiotics, it all kind of depends what they need. So. The ballpark is we usually don't make money on adoptions. We'd be lucky to break even um, after we've provided all that vet care. So if we're lucky if we get it, like I always say, it's like a good day. Um, or we call them a little golden egg if we get like a dog that's fully vetted because <laughs> we don't have to do anything, yeah. um, which is very rarely the case. Um, really? Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. We do get we do get some pets. Like we had a, an Australian Shepherd a couple months ago that had just recently got adopted um, and 
he had everything that he needed. Um, and the owners just had some unfortunate circumstances, which was actually genuinely really sad. Um, and a lot of relinquishments are. It is really, really sad when like somebody passes away or has health issues or like gen genuine circumstances out of their control. It, it sucks to see because people are really upset and they're trusting us with, you know, like if it was me, it's like my kid. Like if I was bringing a dog in, it's that's like my child. So, yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to see some like there's been a couple that like I've got a little teary eyed and I'm pretty hard like I'm pretty hard to get there now with people just because I see so much. Um, and there's been some that are just like, ugh to see. But Well, what's one of those stories? I want to want to start crying over here. Oh, man. <laughs> Marley's was hard. He's the Australian Shepherd. The the gentleman in the family had. Had, Probably because his name is Marley, like the well, movie. Yeah, yeah. I had a Marley too, um, and it, different circumstance. But the the gentleman in the family had gotten a. I don't remember the exact what they said, but he had some health concerns come up, and Marley was an Australian Shepherd, and he's wild, and you know they had treatment to go through and stuff, and so they brought him in, and and to see a grown man cry over a dog is just like, I don't know, it just. I don't know. It's just another level of sad for me. <laughs> um, and then there was um, a woman came in the other day. She didn't she wasn't relinquishing a pet, but she'd come in the other day and her daughter passed away a couple weeks ago unexpectedly, kind of. She had a brain tumor um, and she lives in San Diego and she was having migraines and um, she passed away like really, really quickly. And she had a couple cats and the mom flew out and they did their services out there and then flew the cats back and kept them. And then, um, in her daughter's memory, they donated money to us. Oh, talking to her mom was so sad. Um, because she was just genuinely like a really, really nice woman. Um, and then there was one, um, Lenny's family was another one and I'll probably cry talking about it. Um, Ashley is Lenny's mom and Lenny was a two or three year old. If she hears this, she's going to yell at me that I didn't get the right age. I think she was two or three. Um, she was diagnosed with leukemia at like very shortly after birth and they're a Hersher family. And um, Lenny passed away just before her first birthday, like a couple months before. Um, and ironically, the same week of Lenny's birthday, we got a dog in that was just under a year old named Roscoe. And his birthday was coming up on a Saturday, Friday or Saturday. Um, so we posted like, oh, it's Roscoe's birthday. He really wants a family for his birthday. Um, we had a staff member make like a doggy birthday cake and we did like a happy birthday button. And we were going to do this whole picture thing for his birthday in the event that he was with us for his birthday. Um, and Lenny's family, um, while they were down getting treatment for her, I think it was like Nashville or Memphis or somewhere, um, their family dog of like several years passed away uh -huh. and they weren't there. And so they had applied with us several months prior and they had said, hey, you know, we're interested in Roscoe. It was kind of an out of the blue email, you know. Um, Roscoe and Lenny had the same birthday. Wow. And so they came in and adopted him on his birthday. It was the coolest thing. It really was. And they took a puppy home with him. <laughs> <laughs> so it was neat. Um, and they were they were a great family. Um, and he's... He's a good boy, so. Yeah, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, he had a, a whole four-day stay, I think, until they scooped him up, but um, it was really cool. And then talking to Ashley after the fact, um, it was neat to see, like, the whole kind of, it was a small world situation thing, because one of their nurses for hospice is one of my wife and I's really good friends, Dana, so we kind of got to talking and connected the dots on it, and so it was just really neat that they 
how, the timing of it and like the serendipity of it, I guess, of yeah. adopting a dog on their daughter's birthday was cool. So, Gosh. and it was his birthday. So, yeah. So he still got his party. It just ended up a little bit better than we expected. <laughs> Much better. Yeah, like, it was cool. The how, that's awesome. That's yeah. such a great story. Very, very heartwarming story. Yeah. Um, now, this this is this subject probably probably isn't so heartwarming, but sure. and I know this is something you get asked about a lot, and I know. I can't tell you how many times I hear someone complain about the adoption process yeah. from, you know, whether it's the Humane Foundation or any other type of mm -hmm. shelter. Yep. They complain about, oh, you know, I would I would get a dog from the shelter, but man, like they're so, yeah. you know, yeah. so 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 let's let's go through that, like, and because I've never I've never adopted sure a, an animal from a shelter, so like. Sometimes you wonder, like, yeah, you you hear these. Does it really need to be that hard? Would, yeah. Is it is it actually that hard, or are some of these people that are complaining about it just kind of <sighs> what's the word? Um, I can't think of the word, but I think you know where I'm the, getting the at. The theory behind, um, yes, I do. The, <laughs> the theory behind it is you have all these dogs that need homes. Why do you make it so hard for me to get one? Why do you ask so many questions? Why do you need to know this? Why do I have to do this? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and it's because of the dogs that are given away on Facebook or, like, you know, we had a dog brought in the other day that a guy was had grabbed by its neck and just drug through the door and kind of just flung in. Like, that's why. Um the background that most of our pets come from are not loving like Marley homes or Roscoe homes. They're people that didn't take any care of their pet and didn't treat it appropriately. So we're building trust with that dog. We have a pregnant dog right now that was terrified and growling and wanted nothing to do with anybody. And I got my first mlem, which is like a little lick on the face, the day before yesterday. And we she's been with us for a week. And I was like, Ugh. Wow. <laughs> um, Big step. Yeah. So and she's come a long way even in a week with all of with most of our staff. Um, but I mean, like now when we go in there, she'll start wagging her tail and we're like, <laughs> like we've we've been accepted kind of. <laughs> um, but it's it's not as hard as people think if you're doing the right things. More most people that um have a complaint usually, and I don't want to say always, usually <laughs> don't they wouldn't probably be approved by a private rescue because they're, they might not be providing all of the care. Like, you know, we do a vet check, so we make sure vaccines are up to date. Everybody's spay and neutered. Um, you know, the dog sees a vet, the dog goes, gets heartworm prevention. You know, we treat so many cases of heartworm that you can't just skip it because it's so easy to prevent. Like I tell people, you know, you, yeah. if you can afford Netflix, you can afford heartworm every month. It's the same cost. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it's hard because we don't want the dogs to be in the same position. Um, and it's hard for me and some of my staff that help with like applications um, because we have to discern, you know, like, I don't want to judge anybody. Like, I don't, you know, that's not fun. It sucks. Like, I don't want to assume the worst, but I kind of have to sometimes. Um, and so like one of our questions, a lot of people give us a little kickback on is why do we ask for their like annual household income? Like I get yelled at about that a lot. And it's like, well, you know, if you make $10,000 and you've never took your previous dog to the vet, I, you 
you know, there's probably better things that you're spending your money I mean, on than the dog. It you know? makes like, absolute sense because it costs so much yeah. money for a pet. Well, and like to we, take care of. One, yeah, we got a know? dog a couple weeks, well, two, three weeks ago now. Um, and he just came in yesterday for officially. He was hospitalized for almost a week and the people couldn't afford care. And so they relinquished him to an emergency vet. And, you know, they kind of bridged the gap and we took him in. But we ended up with like a four thousand dollar hospital bill. And it's just, and some people will come and be like, okay, well, he's better now. Can I have him back? And it's like, well, what if something else happens, happens though? You know, and that's that, you know, and I don't want to be like accusatory ever to anybody, but that is the genuine, you know, that's a very, very serious question is what happens next time? Um, and that's what makes it hard. But um, there are, there have been some times where people have called and they're like, I have a dog that I can't afford, you know, as a UTI, I can't afford to run the urinalysis and get the um, the appropriate antibiotics. He's not dog friendly. He's only been with me. He's nine years old, you know, yada, yada, yada. And when I got that call, this was, I think, three years ago. Um, and they happened to be actually at the vet when I was there. And I poked in their room and I said, we'll just pay for it. Because like, I don't, I don't want to take a dog out of a home. Oh. We can't do that all the time. But when it's like a quick, easy, like $60 fix, there's been times where we've done it because it's in the best interest of the pet. And we like I'm not out or in KCHF in general is not out to take everybody's pet out of their home. Like, yeah, you're not you know, DCFS for yeah, animals um, necessarily. You know, it, we want to provide the best care, but we also want to make sure that, you know, they're living indoors. They're taken care of. They're spay and neutered. They're vaccinated, microchipped, all of the things that they should be. And they're not in, you know, quote unquote harm's way. Um, and that's what makes it hard is because sometimes like I personally like I'm like, I don't want to judge anybody today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I just want to like, you know, have rainbows and butterflies. And we have those days. Um, but we see so many like neglect cases and abuse and uh, there's been some ugly ones. And there's a lot of cases where we can't do anything like it's just, you know, it's he said, she said. And there, there's nothing like concrete to be like here, Jim Rowe, like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Which we have had a couple of those where we've been able to, you know, go further with. But ultimately, you know, we just kind of are one of those like, you know, you pull your pants up and do what you can for the dog and put it in the best environment you can and hope they forget. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's why it can be hard and overwhelming for people that have never adopted. It can be overwhelming because there's a lot of questions and they don't know what to expect. And we try to make it easy as possible. And going through like um, when we walk through the shelter, we always have a staff member that's with the family as they walk through so we can answer any questions. Um, we're very open about full background. You know, if the dog, if there's a dog that's ever bit anybody or doesn't like men or isn't good with other animals or any type of quirky behavior, if they like, you know, are growly with toys, if they're just trying to play versus if they're really growly with toys, um, we always try to be very, very open because we don't want to set the person up to be in a wonky position, but more so we want the dog to be in a safe place. And if the person can't meet that dog's needs, that's okay. There's 20 other dogs, I'm sure, that would fit, but we want to make sure that they're getting, you know, something that matches what they're looking for and what's realistic for the pet too or cat. So someone that wants to adopt, what should they be prepared for besides the the salary, you know, yeah. the monthly or the, um, the yearly household income? What yeah, is some of the other <laughs> some of the other things people need to have in, in order or be prepared to answer? Because I know there's like you said, there there are a lot of questions yeah. and, and that's just because you want to make sure it's a good placement. Yeah, it seems like a lot. And when I guess because I've done it for so long, it doesn't seem like a lot for me. And I've adopted from other places where their applications are actually way longer than ours. Like I adopted from DuPage Animal Control and their questionnaire was longer than ours. And they're in animal control. So it was actually impressive to see. Um, 
But the application really isn't that bad. It just seems overwhelming if you don't know what to expect. Um, it's the basics, name, address, phone number, um, any pets in the home currently, the ages of your children <clears throat> or grandchildren, um, and then the vet listed. Because what when I get an application, um, we'll look at, you know, if they have a fenced yard, some of our dogs do need a fence. Some of them, it doesn't really matter. Or if they're active, like we adopt a lot to the city of Chicago um, because they don't you know, it's apartments and, and condos and houses and not big yards, but they have to go for walks and they have to be active. And so we put a, a giant like hundred pound mastiff in this like big condo um, last year and she's living her best life. Really? Yep. Dog beach, dog park, craft brewery, festivals. She's so you out get a about. lot of people from Chicago. We do get a lot. Yeah. Wow. Which is interesting. But yeah, yeah I never would have thought that. Yeah. I don't know. Is that because it's harder to adopt in the city, or do you think it's just one of those things? That I just, just think it's just one of those things, yeah. Because there's tons of shelters there, like rescues and right. animal control. I would imagine, um, and, and it's even uh, closer to the city yeah, in the suburbs. Yeah. You I, know, because obviously we're not a suburb. Yeah, you know, we're pretty far. Yeah, some of our some of our really good like best dogs that we've had because they've been they've been through it as far as the dogs. Like Tegan is is one of them, um, and her mom spoils the crap out of her. Oh my god, <laughs> she was. So emaciated. She was eating rocks when she came in because the people oh weren't feeding gosh. her. Like she was just a mess. They had bred her over and over and over. And she was terrified. She wouldn't wag her tail. Like she mm. would just look at us like just puppy, like sunken. Um, and now like I get pictures from her mom, Allie, and she's like sprawled on the couch <laughs> and she's like out with, you know, her buddies. And they like she puts a coat on her and they go for walks in the winter. Like it's just it's cool to see. Like that's why that's why it's hard to adopt because they go from that, you know to this. Um, but, uh, and then, so we'll call a vet and we'll ask, you know, with previous or current pets, you know, do they do regular vaccines? Are they spay and neuter? Do they do heartworm? Those are kind of the basics. And then, um, if, if it's a yes on all of those, we'll say, okay, you can come on in. Um, we'll set up an appointment and then, you know, they'll kind of answer any questions. We'll meet and greet with other pets in the home or dogs, not so much cats. Um, and then kind of go from there as far as the dog interaction, or if they, you know, they don't have any pets, just making sure that they can meet the dog's needs and the dog can meet, you know, the family's expectations, too, because, you know, if you want a dog to go running, we're not going to give you a pug necessarily because that doesn't work. Um, but or if they want a couch potato, you know, a, a three month old cattle dog is not really the greatest idea either. Um, and so we always try to make sure that, you know, we're very open with the dog's needs as far as energy and that kind of thing, because we don't want to set somebody up to have a lunatic dog in their house that's terrorizing them. Yeah, and they don't. Which can happen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. have one. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, me. I can tell you yes. all about it. Yes. <laughs> oh goodness. So with the um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, it, uh, yeah. The how how do you put a price tag on on uh, on adoptions? Is it does it just depend? I know we were talking about the the cost mm -hmm. of of taking on a, a new. Uh, pet or mm -hmm. a new animal. Um, but yeah, how do you, at the end of the day, how do you decide, okay, well, this dog is up for adoption for $100 or, or sure. whatever. How do you, is it just how much money you've put into? No, that has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do um, with it. Okay. Like, like Theo, the shepherd that was, um, that was hospitalized, he had a, like $4,000 bill. His adoption fee is $300. Okay. Yeah. It's just a flat 
There it is. Um, so it's 300 for adult dogs, which anybody we consider adult is somebody that's spay or neutered already that either we've done or it's already been done. Um, and anybody that's a puppy would be not spay or neutered and they're just too young. So it'd be under four months. Um, that is 325. And then the adopters required and responsible for getting that spay or neuter done. And then they get $50 of their adoption fee back, almost as like a security deposit, so to speak. Um, just to make sure that gets done, we do a follow up. And, you know, most people are like, here, look at this dog now. Mm-hmm. So we never really have any issue with chasing people around. Um, to get it done really or you know if it's a bigger breed dog and their vet said oh we want to wait until they're like a year or two eh, on two but like a lot of vets if it's a large breed dog they'll want to wait until they're around one which that's up to the vet and that's fine as long as they get it done um the and then there are times where we can do like i can kind of have some wiggle room like i have to i don't have yeah um we don't have to discount adoption fees. However, we do. Um, like right now, we have a 19-year-old min pin. <sighs> What's a min pin? A miniature pincher. He's like a he's a, a little feller. He's uh-huh. kind of like a tiny Doberman almost. Okay. Um, okay. And, and he's 19. So, oh, wow. I mean, that's hard to say, hey, this dog's probably going to live at best another year. Um, and so I had talked to, um, our board and I said, can I adjust this? You know, so there are, there are dogs that we adjust the fee for, um, if we've had a dog for over a year and they have to be an only pet, like we'll cut it to where it's 150. So it's like in half because finding that perfect home is very, very hard. And people don't adopt because it's expensive or inexpensive. They adopt because they genuinely want to. Um, I mean, there's rescues that will charge $800 for an adoption fee and people won't bat an eye and they'll pay it. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, we just keep the kind of same standard flat. Here it is. Um, With the exception of certain cases or if they have like a big medical need that like, you know, say we got a diabetic dog in and the owner did everything and brought in their insulin and their their shots or their needles and all of the stuff. um, I would say, hey, you know, we got this dog and I would talk to my board and and just say, um, you know, this is the circumstance because of its medical needs, ongoing care. Can we discount it because they are going to be taking on, which I've done and and it it helps. Um, I've personally adopted some messy kids and they're not cheap once you get them home. Um, And so in those circumstances, it really just depends on the pet. But there is kind of a standard just flat. Here it is, no matter what we've done, Um, because. You, it's hard to say, okay, this dog's $5,000. Right. That's not realistic. Well, yeah, We'd have the dog forever. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, you're talking about the the dog that had the $4,000 yeah. hospital had, Yeah, we had one coral that was a little chihuahua from um, a very rough house um, in Iroquois County. We removed 11 dogs from the home and she broke one of her legs and had to have a surgery. And then like a couple weeks later, had to have a second surgery to correct the bone because it didn't heal the right way. And I mean, she was thousands of dollars and she had to go through rehab and all of that. Her adoption fee didn't like, you know, you can't you can't expect somebody to pay 10 grand for a puppy. You know, it's just not realistic. That's not why we do it either. Yeah. Right. That's one of those you just kind of we assume the responsibility and, you know, there it is. We're Mm. doing we're doing the right thing. And that's all that really matters. Yeah. Usually you just absorb it. Yeah. Now, I know you have foster homes Mm -hmm. because. You know, you obviously can't keep all of the pets in your facility. (laughs) Yes. Um, How does that work if someone wanted to become a foster parent Mm -hmm. for animals or even just become a a volunteer at the the shelter? Mm -hmm. We have a foster application, which is pretty much identical to our adoption application. It's formatted like a little bit different, but it has genuinely the same questions. 
Um, so we run it the same way. We'll check, you know, previous pets, current pets. Um, if they have, you know, say somebody has like 10 dogs. I don't know that I would put another dog in their home. Probably not. Yeah, because no. that's that's just a big dynamic. Um, we get a lot of foster. We have one one genuinely super insanely consistent foster. It's Angie and Kyle, um, and they live in Bourbonnais, and they are on. They have they just picked up their fifty third kitten yesterday. Wow! In a year and a half. That's a in a year and a half. Yes, they started a year and a half ago, and they picked up their fifty third yesterday. We were just talking about it, <laughs> um, and so they have one of their spare bedrooms. They converted into a kitten nursery, and it's got like um, like a running track along the walls, um, so the cats can go to different levels and oh my climb gosh. around. And they've done um, nursing moms. They've done pregnant that's given birth there. They've done tiny like great they had a spicy group we had named them they named them after peppers and they were they were kind of feral when they came in and they ended up being super loving and so we called them the spicies that's um, cool they've got some semi-feral kids right now that were from the the one-eyed cat um she's actually totally social but her two siblings have not fully decided that they like people yet so they are socializing and um they take in kids that aren't ready you know any any between three and four weeks up to, through you know a couple months um, if they're not old enough to be adopted yet, they kind of, we kick them over to Angie and Kyle's learn to cat house. And <laughs> I was going to um, say, they're all set up yes. there. And so, um, yeah, it, they're, they're funny. They, they love a cat. I'm surprised they've not kept one. I keep bugging them, but they have not kept one. They've That's not. Surprising. Kyle is a professional cat dad to the most insane level. Um, and he <laughs> wants to keep every single one. And Angie's like, nope, they're going back. Um, they almost kept a tripod kitten, um, Timmy a couple of weeks ago. And then Kyle's cousin, I think ended up, lives in the city, ended up adopting him. So oh, okay. they, they were robbed of their, of their cat. <laughs> they only have two cats of their own. So, um, but they keep them long enough to then send them back. <laughs> um, but, uh, otherwise the foster application is very much the same. We run it the same. Um, any other pets in the home, we would do like a meet and greet, make sure they get along and then, um, kind of just say, here you go. And then. Um, one of our staff members, Devin, has um, Archie with us, and he has been with her for seven, almost eight months. Um, and I'm still waiting for her to cave and adopt him. But um, but she's done. I mean, he's night and day different from what he was. He was terrified in the shelter. He was skinny. He couldn't gain weight. Um, he was he was OK and social with us, but he wasn't like comfortable um, and Devin took him home and now he's like 70 pounds and a big mush and lives with a dog and cats. And I mean, he just, he's just a totally different creature. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, so sounds very happy. Yeah. That's he's, good. He's a good boy. That's good. So if, if someone wanted to be a volunteer at the Humane Foundation, though, not necessarily a foster mm -hmm. uh, home, how what do you I'm, I'm sure you always need volunteers yes. what exactly are are you looking for in a volunteer able-bodied people <laughs> it's not um it's not hard work mentally it's just sometimes can be very hard work physically as far as like cleaning kennels and stuff like that um the we have a volunteer application um and it's basically just to have on file so we know who people are, if there's ever an incident or anything like that. Um, we get a lot of people that come in that need like court, like community service hours for whatever it is, school, court, work. Like um, I think it's Cigna that does, um, if you volunteer, like there, I, I want to say there's a group of five or six women that have come out every year. And I think they're from Cigna. 
And they come out and they do like I think they work three work days, but at the shelter and they get paid for it. But we get their help. Oh, wow. Um, it's like, I don't know, it's some give back program. A lot that's of places a, have it. Yeah, that's it's a really cool neat. program. Yeah. Um, and so what people would do to volunteer is they'll come out and just do whatever we've got going on. Um, we have like my sister volunteers over the summer and mows all the yards for us. Um we have a volunteer that comes in every Monday and Wednesday and does all the dishes and laundry from noon to two faithfully, no matter what, every day or every week. She is always in. Um, at one point, it was snowing so bad, so she had her grandson drive her all the way out so she didn't miss. Like, yeah. Um, Leanne is is one of the best. That's um, adorable. We have kids that come in. BBCHS, their civics class used to... I don't know if they still do it with COVID. It's probably a little different, but they had four hours that they'd have to do. So we'd get a ton of BBCHS students out. Um, all of that kids. I mean, anything that we've got going on at the shelter as far as cleaning kennels, setting cats up, um, adoption events. We do volunteers for those okay. um, if and when we go back to doing them. So um, you haven't been doing them because of COVID? We haven't, no. Um, we did an open house, which we used to be open pre-COVID. We were open Tuesday through Saturday, 12 to 4. Door was unlocked. Anybody could walk in at any time. You could walk through. Didn't have to have to have, didn't have to have an application. Um, however, that has kind of that changed initially, and we went appointment only. Um, and we've stayed that way, and I think we're going to stay that way um, for the probably further than immediate future um, mm -hmm. because it helps our staff kind of keep up with everything. Um, and with being appointment only, people have the application and it's already gone through. I've looked at it, so when they're coming in, they're coming in to adopt, not just to look. Yeah. Um, that kind of, I would think that would yeah, make it a little easier. It is. And we know and kind less, of- less work. Yeah. We can expect, like we know what to expect so we can prepare, okay, this person has two dogs, so we need to show them, you know, we walk anybody through the whole shelter, but we know, okay, you need somebody that's dog friendly, good with kids, or, you know, like if somebody could come in and be like, I've, you know, I've had dogs before. I don't have any now. I don't have any children. I don't care if they're dog friendly. And that changes kind of, you know, who we would push um, because we have longer term residents that can't live with other dogs. Um, right. And so that makes getting them adopted a, a lot more difficult. Um, but being a little bit more organized for an appointment to come in has has helped our staff. Also, we we can keep up on things better because if we have, you know, 30 people in on a Saturday and there's three of us there, it's hard to help. You know, it's hard to have that one on one attention with the family to answer all their questions and bounce around. So it's helped us stay organized, keep the shelter a lot more clean and running a little bit more smoothly um, and give families when they come in that individual attention to answer any and every question which there's possibly, always yeah. a lot. There's yeah. always a lot um, of questions. And there's questions that we don't think about, like, um, you know, there's some dogs that we have that can't go can't go to a home. They can go to a home that has a fenced yard. However, we've had a couple dogs that climb fences or jump fences. So there will be people that come in and like, well, we don't have a fence, but we're active. Like those situations. Um, and, you know, they have people come up with interesting questions that we wouldn't think of. <laughs> Um, like, you know, will they chew up my baby's stuff? Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, or like, you know, do they eat toys or, you know, can they have like a special diet? Like those are things that, you know, we know, but we don't always think about right away, um, that when people are adopting, they ask and giving that one-on-one -on -one attention gives them the full picture, almost full picture. Um, everybody usually ends up with another question and that's okay. Um, yeah, there's always questions. Yeah. And, and that's all right because I rather them ask, but, um, not having that attention, you know, kind of 
it, it makes it hard for you to, you know, to know everything or to feel comfortable all the time. If, you know, if I have a staff member or I even am walking and overseeing four families that are going through because I don't know who's looking at who. And if 10 people want to take dogs out all at once, it's really hard because you have to know who's in what yard. And um, so that can be difficult. Yeah, that times. would get messy. So yeah. So the being appointment only, um, it has been hard because you know, the community is not super thrilled about it because that's not how we've always been. However, for us, it's working really, really well. Um, and I've kind of found that, you know, if people genuinely want to adopt, they'll 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 go, through, they'll the go through the process. They will. And I mean, um, it, it's not like you've got, you know, 20 people working there. All right. At once. It's three of us. Yeah. 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 So it would be different if you had a bigger staff to accommodate right. that kind of open style. Right. But you don't. Yeah. So. We did do an open house a couple of weeks ago um, where it was just kind of a random. I said, hey, let's just do this. So I, mm-hmm. I planned staffing accordingly. We did an event and we did have a lot of people come out to walk through and stuff. And it was it felt good to have some old normal back um, yeah. because it was it used to be a really fun kind of chaos, but not every day because like you could have a random Tuesday where it's just nonstop. And then, you know, I can't run any applications. The phones don't get answered, you know, that kind of stuff, because we're kind of all over and dogs don't get out. We're behind. Um, and then, you know, we stay late to get everybody out in a timely manner. Um, and so it was fun to have that chaos back but not consistently. So we talked about it like with our, I talked about it with our staff and I think we're going to do it periodically, but not, not like every other Saturday or anything like that. It's just going to be like, Hey, we're having an open house. And, um, we had some Olivet students come out and kind of hang out. So, um, they're always fun to have out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'd be like a quarterly thing. Yeah. I think we'll like probably, that. we're going to try to do it like once a month, just, just for the sake of doing it. Um, because, you know, as it gets colder, people don't have sports and stuff to do. Yeah. Um, and so walking through the shelter is something different. Um, we do have a date with a dog program. So basically you can come in and borrow a dog for the day. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so you fill out, we have a date with a dog application, which basically, again, just gets all of every, the person's information. They come out, we'll walk them through, which dog do you want to take out? We'll give them a rundown of their behavior just to make sure they're comfortable handling them. Um, and then the person would go out, spend the day, and then bring the dog back huh. the same day. That's yeah. cool. We have a sleepover program, too. Yeah. <laughs> sleepover. Yep. I love it. The first it. sleepover we ever did was um, <laughs> a, f- a younger couple. They did not have a dog before, and they brought the dog home and never returned him. They adopted him. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. Well, that worked out yeah. well for both, of, both it was, parties. It was like, then. I think, the same week we launched it, and... Um, they're like, can we just keep him overnight? They started as a date and then they kept him overnight for a sleepover and he literally never returned, <laughs> which was cool. It was good for him. That is so, cute. That's very cute. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Chapman, uh, director of the uh, Kankakee County Humane Foundation. Thank you so much for for being on. Um, anything else before we wrap up? I mean, it's still K3HumaneFoundation.com. Mm-hmm. Dot org. Yep. Dot org. Yep. Um, and so people can obviously start getting inf- they they can start by going there and getting information. Yeah, um, um, our website, our Facebook, we have an Instagram. We have a Tinder account for our dogs. <laughs> our dogs are on Tinder. We have a That's TikTok. Awesome. All of the social media. Um, we can be reached at any of those. We have a lot of dogs and cats right now. So um, if anybody's considering, just do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fill out that application. Make yep. an appointment. Awesome. Anything else? I don't think so. I no? think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much yeah. for being on. And thank you. Yeah. Good luck uh, getting the uh, getting the dogs and cats to a good home. Yeah. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah. Of course. That concludes this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore, and uh, I just want to say I'm so grateful and thankful for 
all of your support. This is episode 20, and uh, the fact that we've made it to 20 episodes so far is pretty incredible in my opinion. So thank you for that. Uh, p- please make sure you uh, go a step further. Give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you do listen to uh, our podcast. Make sure you uh, subscribe to us on whatever your favorite app is. You can also listen to episodes at kankakeepodcast.com. You can sign up for our mailing list there. Also contact me if you're interested in uh, getting involved with the podcast and, and being on an episode. Also follow us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Kankakee Podcast, and our theme song is by Lupe Carroll. People tend to stick to you.